Welcome to the Alcohol-Free Sommelier. This is a bonus episode from our friends at Club Soda. Club Soda puts out a podcast every week aimed at informing people who want to moderate their alcohol consumption. You can find out more at joinclubsoda.com and I'll put the details in the show notes. In this episode from their archive, Laura Willoughby and Tom Ward chat about the law around the labelling of low and no drinks and the choice of products available. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. I'm Laura. I'm one of the co-founders of Club Soda. We are a community who help people change their drinking, whether that's to cut down, stop for a bit or quit. And we have a guide to the best venues and all of the alcohol-free drinks called clubsodaguide.com. We also have a book called How to Be a Mindful Drinker. And alternatives to alcohol, alcohol-free drinks are a big part of what we do. And there's actually a big section here that tells you about all the different types of drink, how they're made, when you might have them, all of that sort of stuff. And then we run the Mindful Drinking Festival where we bring all of the drinks together in one place so that um, everyone can taste them. Tom, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm Tom from down in sunny, sunny Somerset, as you can probably tell from my accent. We started Wise Bartender back in 2017 with the aim of making alcohol-free drinks more accessible. I thought we'd start with something that's a really common question, which is if something's 0.5% alcohol, then obviously it's got alcohol in it. Why would you call it alcohol-free, Tom? Well, the boring legislative stuff is that to be classed alcohol-free in the UK, you have to be below 0.05%. In England and and Wales, actually, Scotland is. Uh, Oh, okay. But in the EU, it is 0.5%. Again, to go back then to England and Wales as well, you've got the term dealkalised, which is 0.05 to 0.5. But then you can also use the term low alcohol for anything below 1.2% as well. So um, it it gets to be a bit of a... A bit of a muddle as to what you get, what labels you see on on um, on drinks. So anything being uh, anything that's coming from Europe can put because their source of origin is the EU, they can put uh, alcohol free and be below 0.5. Anything produced in the UK and it's at like that 0.5 should really have the alkalized or low alcohol on it. However, <laughs> oh, sorry. no, I was about to do the however as well, which is actually the government desperately want to change this. So actually, it's only guidance, not law, at the moment. They, they are hoping to change it so that everything from 0.5% and below would be called alcohol-free. But I think the important thing for you to know is, uh, is most of the world over, 0.5% is considered alcohol-free. And that's because actually nearly everything that you might ingest um, food-wise has got some trace of alcohol in it. So for example, Coca-Cola is 0.05 because the processes they use to extract flavor to put into the Coca-Cola it involves alcohol. You've got two units of alcohol in your stomach because we ferment in our stomach. And that's, I think, why we can process small amounts of alcohol. Apparently not as much alcohol as I used to drink, but, you know, small amounts of alcohol. Bread can be a, a, up to probably if a fancy pants, middle class sourdough could probably be as high as 0.5%. Ginger beer is 0.5%. Uh, a ripe banana can be up to 03 so 0.5, best thing to do in your mind is to think of it as a trace element of alcohol. You could drink these all evening. You could, you could drink 20 of these in a whole evening and it still wouldn't register on your blood alcohol levels if you were to be breathalyzed. They're safe to drink if you're pregnant. They're 
absolutely fine to drink if you're driving. You would process any of the trace amounts of alcohol in it quicker than you could possibly drink it. And so you will never feel intoxicated by drinking them. So I was just going to say the only other thing that makes it some of the it's a little it's not such a level playing field is that like you said you for example the tonics and some of the ginger beers which have trace alcohol they haven't got to declare it it's only when you're producing a beer cider wine or spirit you've actually got to declare it so something like this smash drink it's 0.0 percent even though they're absolutely zero they still have to put the percentage on there but if you drink an alcohol-free beer and it makes you want to have an alcoholic beer then maybe that's not for you Funny enough, I never drank beer when I was drinking alcohol. So I've got no associations with alcohol at all with beer. The other thing I often say to people is, is these aren't just soft drinks. People often say, oh, well, that's just a soft drink, isn't it? Well, actually, no. These have been made for an adult palate. They've often been made in order to go with food or for a particular occasion where you would have normally drunk alcohol. And they certainly are far more complex in their layering of flavours than you would find through a soft drink. And as many of you will know, it does vary slightly, but um, many of them are completely sugar-free or low in calories. So again, this isn't like, you know, having pint after pint of Coca-Cola in the evening. And if you've ever tried to do that, keep up with your mates, pints of Coke in the evening, you're, you're definitely sugared out by the time you get to second drink. For club soda, part of getting venues to stock these drinks more and more is about saying to them, you know what, this is just another dietary preference, just like being vegan or vegetarian. You should be serving customers who are wanting to be alcohol free. And it's about treating them as equal customers. Where are we going to go next, Tom? What's available? Well, well I was going to start with, as, you, as you're talking about sodas, let's see where sodas have got to, shall we? So I've got a Square Roots, uh, who obviously make really good sodas in their own right, but actually they're, they're venturing into the adult category. And they've got things like an adult GT and adult Negroni. They also do some um, shandy collaborations. Uh, um, and I've got here a mandarin and ginger shandy, um, which is made with beer from, uh, is it cloud water? Uh, is it cloud water? I can't remember now. Uh, anyway, we love it's got, their it's collaboration got, shandies. They're great. Yeah, they are fantastic. And, and, and this, is what, this is what these soda producers can, can come up with. You know, it's almost like a new category, isn't it? Like a soda this is the Square Root Nirvana collaboration. It's a sour beer because they're actually based opposite each other. So it's made with Tabery. Uh, and if I remember right, that is a cross between a raspberry and a blackberry. It's a bit of a hybrid. Made a fantastic sour. Uh, and again, if we're stepping away from sodas into beers, sour is a really good place to go. The big drop sour, if you're new to sours, is a good place to start. It's not too overpowering. If you enjoy it, you'll suddenly be finding, you'll be scouring sort of online and bottle shops looking for you know, your next favourite sour ones that give you a bit more of a zing. I have to I'd say I, I, I've started to really enjoy sours. So let's move into beers then, because actually beer is what I would call the hero, because I guess partly because we all knew that alcohol-free beers have always been made, even if they were a bit, um, if anybody remembers Calibre, they were a bit disappointing. But beer, I guess, can be made a lot quicker. And the turn, so the turnaround time is a lot better. And I think a lot changed. Um, well, a lot changed when these two things came on the market. You've got Heineken Zero, big mainstream company, who everyone I know who drinks alcoholic Heineken says Heineken Zero tastes just like Heineken. And then these guys came along, which is Big Drop. This beer won silver in the World Beer Awards. It won silver against full strength stouts. And their aim is to create a craft beer that happens to be alcohol-free. And even people I know who are members of Camera 
uh, the real ale society get very excited about big drop but you've got another one there tom yeah um well actually the stout category is a really good one to talk about it is absolutely fantastic and i think like you said i think in the alcoholic category actually you talk about stouts there hasn't really been that kind of real massive push of craft stouts people kind of go to guinness and almost stay there um but in the alcohol free world we're seeing a real kind of is market it boom. really well with chocolate what yeah you can make brownies with it yeah yeah we did we made brownies with the drop bear uh stout because it's got, it's got a bit of a smokiness to it as well but Very nice. if as we we're talking about sours previously what we have here from uh Mikla in denmark is a sour stout this is like no one no, like, no beer you've ever tried before it's a complete marmite drink people either hate it or love it your, your taste buds start here and they end up over here you smell a lovely velvety stout. It starts off as a lovely vel- velvety stout, and then bang, you get that you get that sour kind of bomb in your mouth. And and this is what's interesting. Before there was only alcohol-free lagers for the people who weren't drinking. Now yeah. there's a drink in every style. Um, I can't believe I'm talking so much about beer for someone who never drank beer when I was drinking alcohol. But um, there's lots of things I like about alcohol-free beer. Firstly, um, that it's it's a smaller quantity. I don't have to open a whole bottle of wine like the alcohol-free wines. I actually find it really good for sharing with somebody over dinner. So I've been doing a lot more pairing of beer uh, because you can share a bottle with your first course, then a different bottle with your main course and a different bottle with your dessert. And it's a perfect size for sharing. But also in terms of sugar-free, low in calorie, they really top that as well. And also when it comes to getting a mixed case to try, they're a lot easier than getting a mixed case of spirit. So this is a really good place to explore. And if you've not drunk beer before, you will surprise yourself by finding there will be beers that you like. And you'll find you had Lucky Saint there as well, yes. which is just an awesome lager. Yeah, uh, it, it, lager-wise as well, this one is just kind of picking up award after award. You know, we've we only launched reviews on our website like I don't know a month ago, uh, and this is the top product on there at the moment. Um, it's worth saying that there are two different processes in many beers. Some are dealkalized, which means that they had alcohol in and the alcohol being removed through centrifugal force. You know, Adnam's Ghost Ship is one good example of that. Um, and then others have been brewed with a lazy yeast that stops them fermenting so much. They, they stop the fermentation before it goes alcoholic. And, the, and what you will start to notice, is we talked about it between 0.0 and 0.5. The reason that you, you see beers with 0.5 is that actually alcohol is like a, it's a bit of a vehicle for flavour and body. It pulls out the flavours. That's why, you know, alcohol-free spirits, one of the brands, which ones, is they use 40 times more botanicals in their processes than uh, alcoholic equivalents. Absolutely. So it, take, it actually costs more to make alcohol-free, and that's, that's also important to know. So you're buying into something that's had a lot more processes. Either it's been made alcoholic and had the alcohol removed, and there's an extra stage in it, or they've had to put extra ingredients in. But, you know, it's also important to remember that you learn to like alcohol when you're younger because we learn, we like, begin to like what it does for us. And so give yourself some time and space to learn to like alcohol free. And, and there'll soon be a point when, when actually you, you will find the drink that's right for you. And yes, it won't taste exactly the same as the alcoholic one because it won't do the things that you expect it to. But these are all at the very bottom line of this. These are all good drinks. We're going to go into cider. Shall it's going to take so long, will it? 
No, well, yeah, Ciders, I, I love the drill that Ciders gone on. So, what? We're, 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 we're a bit of a southwest, um, yeah. west country cider massive here because I was a cider drinker and I'm from the west country too. I thought you were going into song then. <laughs> I could. You think back, I don't know, uh, three, yeah, three years when we started, the only cider on the market at that point was Stoford. And actually, you know, Stoford Press is a, is a great cider in its own right. But like any category, you need a number of drinks for it to grow. You need them to push each other. Um, and we're starting to see kind of a real boom, uh, I, I think, in the cider industry. I think we've got maybe uh, seven or eight ciders available now. What you got there? Thatchers. Yeah, we've got the Thatchers. So that this is an award-winning cider. In fact, we, we went and had a, a day on Myrtle Farm, um, oh. which is, yeah, with, with one of their cider makers. They're very secretive and protective of their process that's gone through to make this. So you think, we've talked about how beer is made with yeast. Cider goes through a fermentation process. They've made an, an absolute zero cider. It goes through a fermentation process, but it doesn't produce alcohol. And, and I said, well, I, I can't quite get my head around that. You're going to have to explain it to me. And they went, no, that's where the conversation ends. So we started off with the stove. And what you, most ciders are made of a blend. So they start off with a regular straight cider, one that's made quite often very strong using a select variety of bittersweet apple and in effect it's watered down and you add different bits and pieces to create the mouthfeel so there's a lot more room for maneuverability in the cider category there's a lot more innovation available there at the moment i really like the pulp ciders that have just come out from celtic marches yeah if you were a scrumpy cider drinker then play around with some of the higher end kombuchas not the ones that are full of flavors to hide terrible kombucha that you get in health food shops but things like real kombucha for me, they have exactly that that depth and mouthfeel and dryness of a scrumpy cider. And I don't have any kombucha here because I've drunk it all. But for me, that's definitely, if you were to give me a really good cheddar and some biscuits and my friend's crab apple cheese, and then I always have a kombucha with it. It's like one of my favourite taste sensations of all. But yeah, kombucha. Yeah, and, and kombucha can segue us into wine as well because some of the new kombuchas on the market are trying to fill that wine occasion moment. And some are definitely in a bit more of that cider occasion moment. And again, just because something has always been designated for a particular occasion, it doesn't mean that the rules stand anymore when it comes to alcohol-free. And people like Real Kombucha are now producing their kombucha in a champagne bottle. It's an amazing experience to be able to open that kombucha, pour it. It's got tannins, just like wine. So we've got four or five different kombucha brands at the moment. I've only picked up a couple of them. Clever Kombucha, which we took on during the Mindful Drinking Festival from up in Scotland. Their original kombucha, I think, is very cider-like. I was really impressed with that. They've got a couple of wacky flavours as well. I think like sea salt and lime. Left-field kombucha. Um, so I talked about flavoured kombuchas. Uh, actually, left field have four varieties and they create the flavours from the different uh, teas they use. So the best thing probably to do is, is to try all four and, and find which one is sort of suits your palate. Butcher kombucha, made down in Brighton. Uh, I think, again, the bottle, you know, that wouldn't look out of place on kind of any dining table anywhere, would it? And what kombucha does is because it goes through a natural fermentation process, gives you that acidity you would have got from wine or from a scrumpy cider, which is why for me it, it fills both of those. Again, it doesn't taste like wine, but it's not overly sweet. And the most important thing for me is it's sippable. When you're out, it's not about having a drink that's refreshing. It's about having something that's sippable. There are many dealkalized wines on the market. 
just like alcoholic wine, the more you spend, the better the quality. So if you were in Waitrose, the Torres's, I think, are pretty good. Sparkling wines dealkalize better. Naughty, which you can get in Holland and Barrett, beautiful. Um, Scarvey and Ray, which was my favorite until Naughty came along. Again, really beautiful sparkling wine. They're quite dry. They don't come in as sweet as some of the others. Even the uh, Rawson's Retreat in Tesco's is pretty good. The more you pay, the better the quality of the Dialkalized wine. It will never quite taste the same, but it does come into its own when you're drinking, when you're eating food, which apparently is how you're meant to drink wine all along. Who knew? Which wines do you have in stock? So, well, yeah, we've got quite a few. And actually, talking about, uh, we, we are kind of desperately trying to, you know, get get kind of ones at the front end with development as well. So, I'll talk about those in a second. Uh, so, we've got the Natural Torres, like you, you talked about, and uh, we've got the Cordonio Spanish kind of Cava style wines as well. Outfox, actually, the rose is really good. It's a bit more like a Provence, a little bit lighter, but quite quite a bit of acidity that comes through. That's really nice. Got the Black Tower wines. And we've got a couple called the Very Cautious Wines. Um, and they do a Shiraz and a, re- ro- a Riesling. You really will have to play around to find the wine that you like. And like, I would have drunk red when I was drinking because I obviously thought red wine lips were really attractive. But I now drink more whites because actually they're really nice chilled. And actually some of the, the alcohol-free reds come down a bit better chilled as well. Now, the other thing to say is, is there are lots of things emerging in this space which are not wines but they're designed to fit the wine occasion hold that up again tom that's called this is called nine elms it hasn't it's not a wine it hasn't been near a wine process but it's designed to fill that red wine moment when you're having a meal absolutely amazing and again this won an award recently and it's not a wine and don't expect it to taste like wine but it's got deep earthy tones and if you and i love having it with lamb actually um and or a minty dish and in the same vein, you've got lots of other sparkling things like sparkling green teas. So Fortnum and Mason do a sparkling green tea. And it's beautifully made. The bubbles are just right. If you're definitely after something that's 0.0, then that, that's where you would go. Think about things that you would have in the place of wine that may not be wine themselves. Yeah, it's we do spirits and RTDs, shall we do as well? And RTDs are an industry word for ready to drink. But let's start with the spirits, because again, there's lots of really interesting stuff happening. Should we start with liars? Liars have 12. I know this is their 13th, isn't it? 13? 13. Or is their 14th? 14. But their aim is to create a, a something very easy for bartenders to use to recreate the cocktails that you would normally have. So this, for example... Um, does you a perfect Aperol spritz it's their Italian spritz it's amazing and unlike some of the others these have sugar in sugar again is a bit like alcohol in the fact that it gives them um, texture and body and therefore you don't lose the flavor so much in a mixer and they're unapologetic about that they say it doesn't matter because these make really great drinks and if you've got a pub where they don't think they're Tom Cruise, basically, but they do make cocktails. This is where this would come in. And so there'll be something that bartenders could pick up and they could make you an old fashioned. They could make you a coffee martini, but it's got posh Espresso name. martini. Espresso martini. Yeah, posher name than that. And again, you can buy mixed packs from them and Wise Bartender. And I think have they got smaller bottles coming out so you can try. Yeah, they, ha- they have got some smaller bottles. A lot of the spirit brands are doing that. And then you've got lots of clear spirits. Uh, so these are things that are replicating that gin and tonic or vodka and tonic moment. Do you have strike in? 
Yep. So they've got a gin, a vodka, and a rum. So yeah, we've got them, and actually they're they're a little bit of a lower price point. So people looking to get into the spirit market, it's not a bad place to start. I think we've got them up at sixteen pound. Then the vodka, the vodka has a real kick. And in fact, when I tried it, I did ring them up and say, are you sure there's no alcohol in this one? <laughs> and then you've got the ones that are right, really worked really hard and distilling the flavours. So some of you would have seen cedars in the supermarket. They're in nearly all the supermarkets at the minute. They've got three flavours. I really like drinking those ones neat, actually, and like I do the sea arch because um, then it's definitely no calories. And I feel like I've won some strange fictional life goal prize but there's that little bit of saltiness from the the sea kelp that they have in there that gives it a really lovely bit of body and flavor that's creeping into a lot of spirits now as well that, yeah. that sea kelp that's something that a lot of people cotton on to get that little bit of saltiness yeah so those are the light spirits and there's there's quite a broad range now you could explore for quite a long while but the dark spirits are coming through now so you've got celtic soul which is in sainsbury's which is a sort of a bit like a whiskey what else have you got in the dark spirits? You're going to ask me to say it now, that Scottish one. Is it Ferragaya? Ferragaya, that's it, yeah. I have to say that's beautiful. But again, it's got really peaty, earthy tones. I really like that. There are a few rums coming through. You've got Ish, Ish yeah. in um, Holland and Barrett. Yep, so we've got, we got, we got the Ish spirits and we've got their RTDs as well. So they're ready to drink. So they've got a Spritz, Ish and a G&T as well. In a can um, and you can get those um, in Holland. It looks like in a glass. Yeah, and we've also got like the aperitif style drinks coming through. So you've had Everleaf. I think you had a bottle of that, didn't you? I adore this. Again, it's it's made by somebody who definitely knows what they're doing. And if you ever asked Paul from Everleaf to talk about the processes that he puts this through to get this flavour, he's just worked so hard to create something amazing. So yeah, there, there are the aperitifs. And a bit like the coffee store from Nyers is an amazing base for cocktails and you know if a bar just had that coffee liqueur it'd be amazing they do a great amaretto as well for an amaretto sour and what have you got in your um, hand there i've got the acorn as well i mean i think yeah. the aperitifs is a really good place to go acorn they've got three varieties there so that's a sister company of seedlip and i think we're going to see a bit of a kind of a growth in that area um, they're such strong flavors i think bartenders really like them there's wilfrid's that's come out as well which is probably close to more of a campari style but again, it's probably a bit of an aperitif. I think that that's a really exciting area. And if you had them in your cupboard and wanted a bit of the play, and I think actually that's what we've seen in lockdown, is that a lot of these spirits have been bought and people have had a bit of a play at home. And, and during that period, we actually made some cocktail boxes. So if you kind of want to buy some spirits and, and kind of know you're going to get a drink that tastes all right, we've got some boxes up with some recipes as well. But it's, it's, it's a really exciting category and, we, and we'll see what happens in kind of the next few months with it. But there are, there are what we call the new wave drinks coming through. They don't fit into a particular category. Three Spirits is a good example, but there's another called Sensor Spirit. They use what you would call functional ingredients. So different herbs and things that create a particular feeling. And they've brought them all together into a, like a really dark spirit. They've got three, one called a Livener, which has got quite a bit of coffee in. I love it, a caffeine in. It's lovely um, for the start of the evening. Then this one is a social elixir, which reminds me a little bit of a sherry, actually, in terms of its the way that it smells. I really like to have it. And then they have Nightcap, which is the one to have in the evening to send you off to sleep. And actually, through the first two weeks of lockdown, I had a nightcap every night. It, it really helped me through this whole period of social anxiety. Um, so the social elixir here has got you know, lion's mane mushroom in it, yerba mate, passion flower, tulsi, cocoa beans, green tea, you know, lots of different things that are considered to be functional ingredients. And it smells absolutely amazing. 
I'm going to just pour this drink and look at the, you know, it's not even see-through. It's like this brown, dark liquid. And like I said, it's got this slight smell of raisins and stuff like that. And so these, I think, are really exciting because they don't, they're not designed to replicate something that you already know. They are designed to give you feeling, some experience, a little bit of tingling and excitement and feel that you are you know, part of the evening still. And I think there's a lot more of those things to come along. Um, you'll see there's also quite a lot of drinks coming along with CBD in them. We should be getting those free spirits in in the next uh, week or two as well. So well, if yeah, you need me to review that. another bottle of Nightcap. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, we should be getting those ones in. And in, interestingly, yeah, the, C, the CBD, um, it's, it'll be interesting what, what, what way that goes. I think the market's kind of boomed. We've got a little bit of a barrier. We can't stop them because we use PayPal and PayPal won't allow CBD products through their um, gateway. And then I thought that it's worth talking about um, some other things that you can find. I often meet a lot of people and I go, oh, look, it's now alcohol free gin and tonic. And they go, oh, I don't like gin and tonic. And I say, well, really, gin's just a flavoring for tonic. It's probably the tonic you don't like. Tonic's very bitter taste. And there's probably most of what you taste in a gin and tonic. So A, if you don't like a gin and tonic, then switch it to gin and soda or a gin cocktail or something like that. But the other thing is, is if you did like a gin and tonic, there are lots of things that you can put in tonic that will give you that same experience and feeling. Because again, we're tasting mostly the tonic. So when I'm in a pub, if I can't find anything else, then a couple of drops of Angostura bitters into a tonic is great. Always know that that's a fallback situation. But then there are things like this drink, which is not a drink in its own right. This is like a cordial. This is cordial strength drink. So it's a spritz base. And so you could take a small shampoo bottle of this out with you and then pimp your own tonic or your own soda water to make a spritz because this is the, the concentrate basically and you can get this in Waitrose this is called three quarter ounce but it means that if you took your favorite cordial with you you could pimp your own tonic you can pimp a soda water and that sort of thing and then you've got something that you really like because everybody's tastes are different on the on the tonic front I think that's really it's really interesting what you said about it. tonics taking over the drinks look like of a conventional GT and that quinine flavor is really strong. And we've got a tonic called 12 below, and actually, you know, they've been marketed because the 12 calories per 100 mils that you know, that's what they named for, and all their tonics, even the flavor ones below that. But actually, you've got less of that overpowering and quinine. It's, a, it's kind of almost between a tonic and a soda, and it's fantastic with alcohol free spirits. It doesn't some, drown it out, does it? Exactly, yeah. Like we talked about the amount of botanicals it needs to make an alcohol-free spirit. Sometimes to keep costs down, that's reduced a little bit. So you need, you need, a, you need a tonic uh, or a mixer that's going to go with it. Is it going to wash it out? And those tonics are fantastic for that. Um, but you know, one of the questions at the start was about L's. And you know, I love L's. And things, and we're always kind of looking at new ones. You'd be really pleased with this point. But actually, we've started going back through some of the drinks that we kind of had back in the day and just realizing how good they are. And actually, the Nirvanas, we've been really enjoying them. So in the, in, these, in the summer days, kind of on our lunch, you know, lunch breaks, we'd kind of grab our sandwich or whatever, grab one of these beers, you know, even the traditional L. You know, just in the, it's, it's been going down really well. And then the only thing I was going to talk about very quickly, you might have seen pop up on Instagram, is Mash Gang. What's that? So this is a malt liquor, like, uh, like you know, you traditionally see someone in a, on an American park bench with a brown bag drinking probably but there's no brown bag with this and it's you know look at the bottle and it's fantastic they're, they're, they're aiming to bring out I think I think it's like eight or nine different drinks that is just kind of what their roadmap is and they they want to come up with all sorts of crazy flavors 
Um, so we're excited to see what these guys produce. I think what we're going to start to see is like, so we said the spirits, you've got the mimics, mimicking spirits and you've got spirits that create their own flavors. Why can't we have that on the beer front? Why can't we have beers that create whole new categories and really kind of push the boundaries? So I think, I think, you know, it's, it, let's see, let's see what kind of what pops up over the next year, but it's quite, it's quite exciting across the whole category. Ciders, are good, I think they're going to boom, um, wines. Well, I hope you found something that, uh, well, you know a little bit more and then you can go and find something that you want and also giving you that sense of occasion and something special. It still fits into that treat and reward space, but without doing you all the damage. And certainly my advice to you is if you get yourself some nice drinks in at Christmas, hide them because everybody else will want to try them. Thank you very much for joining everyone. I hope you enjoyed hearing that episode of the Club Soda podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And please remember to subscribe to my podcast, The Alcohol-Free Sommelier. I'm Chrissy Parkinson. Goodbye for now. And whatever you drink, drink well.